Joining us right now is Dr. Carol Lieberman. Dr. Lieberman, it's great to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. We talked to you earlier, weeks ago, if you will, at the beginning of the Chauvin trial regarding jury selection. Boy, that's something that is a, a, a hot button for you. That is your area of expertise. Um, I'm curious because I've heard a lot of chatter, a lot of talk. In your experience, do you think this jury was influenced by the p potential societal impact of coming back with a not guilty verdict? Do you think that there's pressure on a jury concerned about, quote unquote, civil unrest? Yes, absolutely. I think that this, that is the biggest mistake of this whole trial. I mean, the first mistake really was that they didn't make a change of venue. There mm. really wasn't a way that they could have gotten a fair trial in Minneapolis. But then the next mistake was not sequestering the jury. For the, entire, were, for the entire trial. For the entire trial, exactly, not just the deliberation. Um, the jury took only 10 hours to come to a verdict which means that it was based more on emotion, more on their having made up their mind pretty much before they went into the jury room um, because they didn't ask for anything to, to look at anything again. They didn't take the time to dissect um, the witness testimony and, and you know, very, there was a lot of complicated things. That there was, was a lot of medical stuff yeah. involved, yeah. Exactly. Well, except that there was a pretty glaring video that pretty much showed exactly what happened so what i mean you can look at it the other way and say what was there to really digest <laughs> well the videos of course which they kept showing a million times you know the, yes that was very uh emotionally impactful mm -hmm. uh, as were the um wit the first witnesses the the, the eyewitnesses, eyewitnesses were, to the event, yeah yes they were very emotional but you know, the thing is, between seeing people outside the uh, courthouse and all over Minneapolis and actually all over other cities sure. um, in America, you know, waiting, just waiting for the verdict, these people had to know, maybe consciously or at least unconsciously, that their decision could cause eruptions, could call, cause riots all over America, and that had to uh, impact them. So... And also Maxine Waters, also the shooting of Dante Wright, also the shooting of Adam Toledo. Um, and then, of course, Maxine Waters, did I say that? The, and Biden. Now, when Biden talked, supposedly they were already sequestered in that last day or two. But, um, but still, all of these things had an impact. Dr. Carol Lieberman is joining us right now. So I, 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 I'll acknowledge that. And, and I think there is certainly some, some uh, validity to that. But has it... It hasn't always been that way. I, again, we, we only mentioned, and I know we have to go back a ways. I'm sure there's plenty more. The Rodney King uh, verdict. Yeah. There was another video. Yeah. The police officers were found not guilty. They had to know that, at least that jury had to know, wow, a not guilty verdict's probably going to set some people off. Didn't bother them. Well, but, you know, that was really the first in recent history, the first uh, major example of that. And I think the Rodney King trial uh, was in the minds of these jurors. Okay. You know, we saw we saw what happened when the police were found not guilty. And so do you think so? Is Are we seeing a change in juries? That's actually something that Judy pointed out that societal we can talk about a change in society, but it really just comes down to those 12 people sitting on a jury. Juries are looking at these differently. They're approaching these cases differently, almost regardless of what the instructions are given to them. 
Well, you mean because of, um, I mean, yes, a jury and every jury member comes in with um, their history, their psychological history, their experiences in life. And so, you know, of course they're going to look at things um, from a certain perspective, but if there are 12 jurors, I mean, one hopes, you know, and usually it does come out uh, with a fair verdict. Mm-hmm. But um, but but then, you know, th- these were such, not only the memory of the Rodney King trial, but all of these really powerful things that went on during this trial. I don't know what... The judge was thinking, I mean, he seemed to be a fairly good judge otherwise, but I don't know what he was thinking when when he decided not to sequester them from the beginning. Yeah, but sequestering them now almost seems moot because, and I get what you're saying, what's been going on. It's been going on for a couple of years. I don't think the jury under seeing or hearing what happened last week, that happened two months ago, five months ago, mm. a year ago. It's been happening the whole time. You know what I mean? Well, this whole... Yes, that's a good point. You know, since his um, murder, <laughs> since George Floyd's murder, um, yes, there have been eruptions, you're right, for the whole year. Um, but I, I think it was more powerful, uh, and, and that would have affected them to some degree, but I think it was even more powerful when they came to the courthouse every day and they saw these crowds mm-hmm. milling, you know, just waiting. That was even more powerful than knowing that this whole year, you know, that there had been all these riots and so on during the year. There has to be a pressure to that. I mean, they're still human beings, even though they're they're jurors. And I think another thing that was a problem, this isn't the court's problem, but um, the defense attorney, Eric Nelson, he started out really well. I thought he was great at the beginning, but uh, he kind of petered out. And I, um, he should have, one thing he should have done is to have made... Um, uh, Derek Chauvin more relatable. There he was sitting, Derek was, sitting with a mask yeah. for most or all of the trial every time I saw him, uh, except for there was one time when he took it off. But um, And so that made him out to be sort of not human, you know, this mm. man behind the mask. And it, there was a distance. It created distance, even though everybody knew, of course, it was for COVID and everything else. But it, it, it caught... Took, it made him less human and less relatable, and people felt less compassion for him. Now, I'm not saying that he should have testified, um, because, you know, that could have been a disaster. A whole other animal, yeah. Right. But um, but he should have, have like, I actually contacted um, Eric Nelson, and I wrote to him, and uh, told him that he should make, in his closing statement, closing argument, he should include not just stuff about the facts, but um, information about Derek Chauvin's life, making him real, talking about his a human broken being. home. Yeah. Yes. Interesting. Home, all the way from that to more his awards as a police officer. Uh, just about his life, all the just the different things about his life. To, to Yeah, to make him, make the jury connect with him. They didn't connect with him. He was just this guy, you know, sitting there impassively, <laughs> by the way, um, and and then just saw him, you know, on the in the videos a million times. So, but but really, um, I think they're going to definitely ask for an appeal. Yeah, an appeal as, yeah. as is their right. Yeah. Yes, and and yes, and um, you know, hopefully we won't have to go through the whole trial again. They're probably going to make a plea deal after that, but um, but who knows? Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Lieberman, thank you for your time today. We appreciate your insight into this. Well, thank you. Outstanding. That's Dr. Carol Lieberman. She's a a legal uh, analyst and a, a jury consultant.